0: Life Audio Because
1: wilderness, I think, is a great metaphor for restless seasons because wilderness takes all the creature comforts away, all the common, well-worn responses away, and I find that that's where most formation takes
0: place. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to so much more. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Casey Tigrett, and I will be back to talk about how restlessness can actually be a gift for us. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault,
1: listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
0: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of
1: this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: Casey Tigrett holds a Master of Divinity and a Doctorate of Ministry in Spiritual Formation. He is the Director of Spiritual Direction Practice for Soul Care which helps church and nonprofit leaders restore health to their souls. He's also a speaker and the author of a few books, including Being Curious, A Spiritual Practice for Asking Questions, and, as I recall, Discovering the Place of Memories in Our Spiritual Life, and his newest book, which we're going to be discussing today, which is The Gift of Restlessness. A Spirituality for Unsettled Seasons. And he's also the host of a new podcast, which is called Restlessness is a Gift. Welcome, Casey. It's so great to have you on the podcast.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you so much for the generous invitation.
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because the title of your book is even just a bit jarring, The Gift of Restlessness. I want to just even start there how do you define restlessness, and why on earth would that be a gift for us?
1: <laughs> well, I think it's important to know that that the title jars me from now, time and again. I'll I'll find myself looking at it, going, "Why did you? Why did you do this? What did you do?" <laughs> but as a definition, and maybe this is helpful, I believe restlessness is that place, that irritated or unsettled feeling that we have. When we're stuck between when we're stuck in the present tense, we're stuck in a place where we can't go back to the way things used to be, but we have no idea what the future looks like. It's still mysterious, undefined, and so we're all we have is what's five feet in front of us, and the reason that's unsettling is because we feel stuck there, and there's a primal urge in us that we want to get out of it by whatever means necessary. And it can be in a variety of different, it can come from a variety of different reasons, different stimulus, different stages of life that we're in. Um, And it can happen multiple times in one sitting for different reasons as well. And for (laughs) simple things to very extreme things, but, but it is that stuckness in the present tense that causes us to say something's, something's got to change here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you even said that we can't go back and we we have to move forward where do we go and i think i've had that experience so many times and i think one of the places that we do get stuck a lot is we try to go back and we try to go back to before whatever it is that's causing the restlessness and that's fruitless we we just can't we can't do it and the only way is to move forward so i'm curious how is how have you started to see And embrace that as a gift for us to recognize that stirring in our soul.
1: I think it is. It begins with understanding the strength that comes from embracing what restlessness brings us. Um, Typically, our response is our lizard brain, our fight-flight reactions kick in, and so we feel restless, and so we want to do something about it. We want to fight it. I have this. I have restless seasons that land on me every, you know, like six weeks or so. And the you can tell as I said before, it's a it's a variety, it's a scale. Sometimes I'll just I'll try and grow some facial hair just to change something. And my wife will go, What are, what are you doing? <laughs> you know you can't do that. You know it doesn't look good. You know you just look like you need a bath. You just look <laughs> you look awful. But it's that shift. Like something I'm fighting this restless feeling. Something has to change. Sometimes we feel like we just we have no choice other than to flee it, to medicate, to self-medicate, to escape somehow by whatever means necessary. And sometimes we just flop and we surrender to it. And in doing that, we develop cynicism and say, well, this just must be the way things are. Mm-hmm. But if we embrace it and if we really live into it and abide in the middle of it and pay attention to what it is, there are some. there's some character building, there's some strength there's some understanding of God and self and others that only comes if we allow ourselves to pay attention to that present tense. I think if anything taught me that it was, it's been the last two years. Uh, a pandemic. The book isn't about the pandemic, but anything written after 2020 will have that as a backstory. Mm-hmm. But I think it taught us that when we couldn't go back to before March the twelfth or whatever. And we had no idea what, was go- what the end of this was going to look like. People found themselves in this restless present tense with their job, with their concept of God, their concept of church, with their family. And they knew they couldn't go back, but they knew the future had to look different. And for a lot of people, there was this ruthless commitment to never going back to the way things were. But what does that mean? Uh, for some of my friends, they just embraced that and said, I'm tired of working the pace that I'm working. And I love these people that I'm around. And so they made the finances work so that they could, and I realize this is a very privileged thing to be able to do, but they made the finances work so they could work less time to be more available to their families. And so I think that's how I've come to that is to see the gifts are hard fought, they're hard won uh, and they don't come quickly. Some restless seasons can extend on for quite some time. But if we allow ourselves to stay there, Uh, and meet God, meet the divine there as well. So there's a very strong faith and formation aspect to embracing restlessness. So that's where it begins for me. That's why I see it as a gift.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love when I asked you, hey, what passage should we meditate on? The one that we settled on was Mark 1, 9 through 13. And I love this because Jesus is led into the wilderness and lest we think that the most, you know, the beloved son of God got to skip restlessness. He didn't. And in fact, it, I think, and, and you make the point, it became a gift for him. And I, so I'd love to just read that passage for us and have you just share, you know, what that meant to you and, and even just kind of what it teaches us about our God and this gift of restlessness. So this is what the passage says as just a quick reminder. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him so talk to us about a little bit about that passage
1: that passage i, I there's that passage the story appears in the in the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but Mark is always so interesting because Mark seems like he's in just a very, he's in an incredible hurry to tell this story. So more than any other gospel writer, he uses the word "euthus," which means immediately. He uses it more than anyone else. So we're constantly moving, Mm -hmm. which means it tends to be a gospel that's very pragmatic. And yet in this story, you get this little nearly poetic twist that I I didn't recognize until so I started working with it for the book where he said he was with the wild beasts and the angels attended to him and i found an image there that made sense of how most of us feel during restless times so when we are when we said what we were thinking before we were thinking about what we were saying or when we had that conflict with a family member or when we left the job for the last time and we're, stri- we're stuck between this moment of the things that I think are going to destroy me and the hope that I have in the future. And that's where Jesus is, between the wild beasts and the angels. Mm. And I've always had a fondness for this passage just because one of the great uh, spiritual mentors of my life has been Henry J.M. Mallon. And his book, In the Name of Jesus, is centered around this temptation passage and the way that it highlights what it means to be human and temptations that we deal with so it already had this place in my heart and to put this energy of this is a restless moment for jesus he was led into the wilderness it wasn't his idea and it came at a time when most of us would be thinking the graph was going up into the right a baptism year my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased everything from here should just be amazing and the first thing that happens is wilderness mm. and really recognizing the need for wilderness. To get us to that place is wilderness, I think, is a great metaphor for restless seasons because wilderness takes all the creature comforts away, all the common, well worn responses away. And I find that that's where most formation takes place. When I, as a spiritual director, walk with people through faith transition, I find that the one thing that propels them from stage to stage is usually pain. And it's either the pain of something that's happened. At externally or it's the pain of having everything that you used to depend on about your relationship with god self and others completely torn away until you are just you and jesus is just himself with this mm-hmm. promise of belovedness sitting between the wild beasts and the angels and i just, i feel like i resonate with that and have resonated with that and so many of the stories in the book talk about those kind of moments where it's just me just me, warts and all, right here between the things that seem so threatening and the things that are these blessed promises, and I have no idea what to do other than just to abide. And that's what Jesus does with every solution at his fingertips. He just stays. Mm-hmm. He stays right there and leans into that idea that he is the beloved, and that's all that matters.
0: What you said that really resonated with me is he is given this blessing by God. And we expect everything to be up and to the right. And that is how we expect our lives to be. And we are disoriented every single time the wilderness season comes. I guess maybe the comfort comes when we look at Jesus and say, and even Jesus. So how much more should we expect it and see how he did it? And I love that the wild beasts and the angels. Between the wild beasts and the angels, that's just such a beautiful way to to look at it. And even just where we live, everyday life feels mm. like it's there all the time. Yeah. We're going to pause here for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. I am curious. You know, you ask some really deep questions through the book as we move into wilderness seasons. It stirs up in us all of these deep longings in our heart. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Is, you know, is God really enough? Let's talk about one of them. You know, the what am I here for question. How does restlessness and how has the Lord helped you even think through that question a little differently?
1: I think that has happened on two fronts And, and somewhat naturally and somewhat From relationships that I've had, and because the for the last few years, and I have no idea why, but I'm glad I've I've just been in the presence of people younger than me in their early twenties who are having these questions about what should I do, what is my purpose, and I grew up in in a theological tradition in an evangelical church tradition that said calling was a very specific thing. Like if God calls you, it's probably well, first of all, you're probably going to be a male. Second, it's probably going to be the pastoral ministry of some like you're going to be a pastor of a church. You're going to preach and it's going to be for the rest of your life. And so it was this very narrow view of it. And if you missed it, it's you're not going to die. But everything else is basically going to be a bronze medal from then on. <laughs> and So I grew up with that and kind of had to grow out of it because I had an my early calling, my purpose was very specific. I was going to be a senior pastor of a particular theological tradition in Southern West Virginia. I grew up in West Virginia, and so I was going to be back in the South. Well, I sit here talking to you today, part-time theologian in residence of a Christian church in the suburbs of Chicago. So either I'm living in willful disobedience or, or something has changed in the way that I see calling. And so being able to walk with People who are at an earlier earlier stage processing that idea. What is it that I need to do? And what I've learned over time is that our purpose is much less about what should I do. It is more about what do I love? What is the thing that is most central to me fulfilling the invitation to love God with all that I have and love my neighbor as myself? So it grows beyond just what do I do? as an action or how do i exercise gifts or what do i do for a living even it's the way i love myself is part of my calling how do i love myself the way i love my neighbor the way i love the divine all of those things are part of that and that's it's been a gradual movement over time helping me helping me reconcile with that and again i think sometimes it's looking at the movements of life where i went from students pastor to senior pastor to associate pastor to teaching pastor to teaching to spiritual direction there have just been various ways that god has invited me to express that those deeper loves and so helping people helping people further back down the road for me saying much less concerned with what you land on for the rest of your life maybe you will if you invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in education. You might want to think about doing that thing for a long time. Uh, But I'm less concerned with that. I'm more concerned with you cultivating a sense of what you love. And that's where the restlessness kicks in is this choice between what do I have to do with my life and what do I love and not being willing to make peace with the fact that this might change. You may not be doing this thing for the rest of your life. I do think generationally, as an aside, I think this is a lot less difficult for Gen Z and younger. The, the gig economy kind of thing where everybody has an Etsy store and everybody's a consultant and everybody has a podcast. No offense to us. We have podcasts, but everybody's doing a thousand different things. I don't know that that's as big of a question. But for them, the bigger question is, does what I'm doing have purpose and value? And my question is always, well, are you loving God with everything you have and your neighbor as yourself? Mm-hmm. Then yeah. Then yeah, absolutely it has purpose. Absolutely it has value. So the restless tension is in between. What should I be doing? What am I doing? Is this right? Is this not right? And if not, what should I what should I be doing instead? I suppose is how we'd phrase it.
0: Yeah, I love how you're describing calling because it becomes this well, the calling really is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what you just said. The calling is love. The expression of that then becomes this moment by moment, day by day, even relationship and walk with the Lord to say, how does this manifest itself today? What are you inviting me into today? What What are you calling me to? in this conversation. And I think, you know, so calling becomes very there's there's bigger, smaller, moment by moment, becomes something different than this one speck on the board that we have to find. And if we miss it, like you said, everything else is just the bronze medal. Wow, that's disappointing. Yeah. Because I want to go for gold. <laughs> yeah. And I think most of us do, especially when we're, you know, looking at our life having meaning.
1: And I experienced that on, I think, in my traditional multiple levels. And I understand why now, because it it is a way of acknowledging and saying that the divine is in charge of everything. So, of course, there's only one thing because the divine's in charge. I've heard the same, um, the same mentality applied to also to marriage. There's one person for you. And if you find that person, they're your person. If you don't find that person... Then you'll be okay, but it's it's not going to be like finding that one person, and I think it's the same level of, uh, it's the same level of unhelpful because I don't I don't think that that's how God operates. I also don't think that's how calling operates. And I understand there's a you know general call like to love. There's a more specific one like how do you love, and then there's a what does this moment require. And all of that is, is really rooted in the idea that God has this divine dream for the world. This is what it was always supposed to look like, new creation. And that we have this freedom. Restlessness, if it doesn't carry with it this freedom that you're beloved in whom God is well pleased, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're created very good. Without all of that, I, you, you have no other choice but then to say there's only one path because the freedom is just, para, is just petrifying. To think that you have the freedom to choose yeah. in God's big dream is like, well, what if I mess it up? That's a little overconfident. Like if you can mess that up, maybe it's not that great of a project to begin with, you know? Yeah. Well, you probably will. So let's just go ahead and just, right. we're all gonna we're all gonna fumble. Uh but that fumble can't ruin this grand divine dream of new creation that God has been spinning since the beginning of all things.
0: That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think, like you were saying, that pressure can almost be spun into idolatry, that we can figure out that one thing, Mm -hmm. that we can find that one person. Like, So if we're successful at doing that, then we are like God Mm -hmm. in some way. And so what you're talking about feels to me much more open to... I am going to follow. It is a mystery. Hearing God, following God is a mystery. It's always a mystery. I mean, I think we get clarity when we look. He He does lead and guide us. And you're making the case that he leads and guides us through wilderness and restlessness and helping us pause and ask good questions about what we're supposed to do with our lives. So I don't, I don't want to also say it's a mystery we never figure out because I do think God is clear mm. with us when we slow down and create space for him to reveal his will to us. But then we take the risk and follow. And I feel like it's always a, obedience always feels a little risky. I would love for you to talk about how that has played out in your life in your seasons of restlessness. Like where have you had to see the restlessness? And then take the risk to follow where you think he's leading.
1: So I do this to other people. So I'll talk about doing it to others and then I'll talk about doing it to myself because that seems very biblical. <laughs> um, I do a lot of times in spiritual direction when I'm talking with people about discerning discerning between maybe a choice in either vocation or career or whatever. And I oftentimes will ask them, do you trust God? And they feel the setup coming because that seems like something I wouldn't ask them. But they're like, yeah, of course. And then I will ask them, do you believe God trusts you? And that's the harder question. Mm -hmm. But that's really where all of this begins. Sorting through what you love, how you're gifted, how you're built, where you are, what your story is, what your experiences are. And then saying, do you believe God trusts you to love him well, to love the divine well, and explore that in what you do? In your action, um, and so I tr- I, this is where I try to do unto others as I do to myself. Um, I tried this on in in 2016. I changed my ministry location because there was an opportunity that on paper looked like I this is what I love. These are all the things that I really love, and so I went to a, a new church, occupied a different role, and after being there for a while, what I knew was this just isn't working. Like on paper, it was everything. I could do all of those things and love the divine well, but I wasn't a good fit. And so I made the really hard decision after about a year and four months, my family and I together, we made this decision to actually take a, a fairly large cut in in salary, but also in role and to come back to a, to a more familiar place, which was the church that I had left. And so there was a restlessness in me that caused me to leave. And then there was a restlessness in me that caused me to come back. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's, again, there's a lot of privilege in that. Not everyone could have pulled that off. And I'm not saying that it's, it's you know, across the board, that's possible. But what it highlighted is the fact that in pursuing this purpose, what do you love? Who are you? Who you're built to be? And what do you love most? There are going to be times like this. And that's, I think that's also what terrifies us. Like, what is it? What if it doesn't work out? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Mm. Cause it might not, it may not. And what you'll do in the worst case scenario is you're going to learn something very difficult, but you're not going to be abandoned and you're not going to be alone and you're not going to be lost. And whatever comes out of that will be used for healing. It'll be used for strengthening, for building your character and your resilience. And I've found that to be true since then. And I really, I'm not, this is no travel brochure for restlessness. Like nobody's hearing this going, sign me up for that. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's, it is just a natural part of being a human being, mm-hmm. of living in skin with the divine. This just is, this is part of it. So embracing that, that's part of it. And then asking, the questions, how do I prepare for, I loved how you said that, like, how do we prepare for the wilderness without panicking about it, knowing that it's coming, knowing that we're in it, but not panicking about that it might destroy us. Yeah,
0: I've been thinking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about the restless seasons that I have been through that always do lead to change. There's something that starts to stir in me, and you could name it discontentment restlessness, some something just comes. There's all kinds of ways that it happens. But the discontent piece is usually something I try to pay attention to. Why am I feeling this way? What do I need to pay attention to? What's perhaps the invitation from God? Do I just need to say, you just need to brush that off and You can grow a beard. I definitely can't. So I don't know what I. I can get a new hairstyle. I suppose. (laughs) Like there's other things I could do to shake it up appropriately. But uh, you know, I just think that discerning. Okay, this is something to pay attention to. Versus, you actually do just need to settle in and kind of stay the course. We're all wired differently, and some of us have Mm -hmm. just more of a endurance gift and some of us are maybe more risky and willing to move around and and just thrive in that environment and what's an encouragement or what comes to mind as i'm saying that about how how you know is this really god's invitation to do something different or not
1: well first and foremost and i will testify personally to the fact that so much of the help that i've received in restless times have been from people like spiritual directors, people who are really gifted at opening up silence and space for us to just verbally chase out all the stuff that's happening, to really describe the land between the wild beasts and the angels that we're in right now. What does it look like? What are our questions? What are our doubts? What are our fears? What are the the possibilities? And so don't think... first and foremost, the encouragement I would give is don't, if you figure out that you feel that you're in the kind of season like we're describing, please don't pursue that by yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, there are wise counselors and guides who would be happy to step into that space with you. So that would be first and foremost. I think the other is really to use that imagery of Jesus in the wilderness as a reminder that this is not the end of you this is really the beginning uh, of another stage or another chapter i love how the if you look at it the arc of human development and the arc of spiritual development if you look at it from all the people who've written about the stages of faith and how we grow and how we change no matter some people have nine some of them have four some of 12 whatever the they're all wonderful and they all have something to offer. But the stages of human development and spiritual development parallel each other. And usually, every stage of our development as human beings, from infants to toddlers, toddlers to school age, school age to teenagers, it all is marked with a bit of pain and a bit of a departure. And so, we are aching about something and we leave something behind. Mm. And so, my encouragement is when you sense those things happening, and that is the heart of, I can't go back. Uh, I had a dear friend I talk about in the book who who was having a crisis of faith and thought that he was losing his faith. And as we talked about it, really what he was losing was what I would call lowercase f faith, mm. not the faith, but a form of faith. And there were some certainties that he just could not live into anymore. But what was bothering him so deeply was not, he had changed his mind. His spirit was set on, I can't believe that anymore. It was leaving behind the people that were connected to that, the community around that belief. If I don't believe this anymore, can I still, will I lose these people? Hmm. And so part of his transition was, is it worth it to embrace this fully, knowing that I might have to leave this behind? And that's just a growth moment. Just as much as a teenager growing into a young adult and leaving home. Like, Can I come back? Yeah, you can come back, but it's never going to be the same. So it's the same thing. So the encouragement would be, if those are the things you're feeling, that's not evil necessarily. Again, walking with someone could help with that. It's not an evil necessarily. It is probably just a natural part of your transformation journey with Jesus. Mm-hmm Mm. because even Jesus went from being with his mother really close to who are my mother and brothers. What a moment, you know, you just hear that and you think, wow, things have, if I'm Mary, I heard that. Wow. Things have definitely changed from Mm -hmm. us walking around Bethlehem together. And now this is now this is what's going on. So, so I think noticing that encouragement would be when you notice those things shifting, that may be a season of restlessness and the third thing that i would say and this is very brief is there are some key questions that you can ask and it's important to notice which ones are most important to you so in the book i i lay out how i feel like each line of the lord's prayer is actually a response to a question and those questions can be really helpful to say which of these do i feel is most acute right now is it am i feeling like i don't belong anywhere and i think that was my friends One of my friend's questions is, what about belonging? If I don't belong to this group, do I belong anywhere? How do I belong to God, self, and others when these things seem like they're in flux and they're changing? And I can't go back, but I have no idea what this new faith looks like. So just being able to identify what is the question that's most acute and most, maybe most painful, maybe most present in your mind, can be a really helpful way to to walk through the restlessness.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I love your advice about spiritual direction, about having a companion, you know, backing up to the very beginning of that question about having somebody to companion you on the journey. I think that's just critical. Having that in my own life, it is so helpful to have that space created so that we know what God may be inviting us into. Sometimes it's hard to trust ourselves when we're in those disruptive seasons yeah Casey thank you so much this was just a really encouraging conversation to think through what restlessness is and isn't and and how it can be an invitation and I really appreciated how you use the Lord's Prayer to guide us through asking these deep questions and so um just thanks for your work I really was encouraged as I read as I read your book so thank you and thank you for making space to just be with us today
1: No, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to talk with you.
0: Well, I'm going to put links in the show notes for how you can find Casey, how you can get his book. Even if you're interested in spiritual direction, there'll be a link there for that as well to the ministry that he helps lead. And there are lots of spiritual directors there. I know some of them personally. Um, And so I know that that is an amazing ministry. Um, Before I let you go, friends, I do want to just take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us. So if you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. There are shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. So, as always, friends, I do want to thank you for joining me and Casey today on So Much More, because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us, and this is one way we're creating space to listen.
1: It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Catherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.